about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show podcast here on Westwood One, powered by CRTV. My name is Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with us. It's a Pop Culture Tuesday. We'll be getting to that here in a moment. But first, I want to remind you, we love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. And I mentioned CRTV. We just finished today's television show for CRTV. And so with all the breaking news today, and, and I kind of feel like we need that Chris guy from The Talking Dead to, to host some kind of post-show wrap-up of the Purge episode of Trump White House. So much, there's been so much today, so much, that I just kind of feel like we need to sit around as fans and, and digest it for you know a good hour and say goodbye to some longtime cast members who've been written out. You know, it's been that kind of day. We get into all of that over on the television side of things today, gentlemen. I think we grabbed that baton sufficiently on some level, didn't we? I thought we did. Is that yeah. if that's so? If, if you're looking for this guy got canned, this guy's escorted from the White House grounds for uh, you know for reasons we still don't know at the time we're taping this with armed guard, and he's the president's personal assistant. Another. Putin opponent was found dead today. I'm sure that's a coincidence. Uh, I mean, there all all the intrigue going on today, Aaron. We cover that on the television show. Man, with NFL free agency going on and the you know the purge day at the White House, it's my head is spinning over here behind the behind the controls and behind all the buttons. But yeah, we we did our best to keep up with it. Gave you as as we were taping, which is, happens earlier in the day than most of you will be watching this. As we were taping, oh, uh, this person's fired now, and oh, uh, it's uh, you know, it's it's um, it, this person did that thing. You know what? I can't get over all of out of everything today. Hmm. This John McKenty, who was escorted off of White House grounds, he was a quarterback for UConn, who did a viral video a few years ago. One of those trick shot videos where he would like make ridiculous throws into tight windows. Huh. It, it, I cannot freaking get over that. And he's the one who was who was escorted off. Why do I think? Because we know Trump's a huge sports yeah. guy, huge football fan. Yeah. Okay. He saw that video. Why? And yes. <laughs> yeah. Why do I? Why do I think Trump saw that video? He was like, I've "Got to find a place for that guy." Yeah. As my body yeah. man. Because it sounds like they will soon find a place for him, perhaps at San Quentin or some other place where the feds provide cozy accommodations. Oh, this has been a ton of fun. And you know what? I got to give the showrunners here props because we're coming out of February sweeps, you know, and a lot of shows this time of year kind of feel like they they shot their best material in February and they got to gin it back up for May sweeps to you know for those season conclusion cliffhangers and it's March and people take a lot of vacations with spring break and it's March madness and and, and so a lot of shows just mail it in with reruns this time of year but the the Trump White House showrunners man are dropping bombs like a boss I'm really impressed well and it's not just the Trump White House uh 
the Hillary Clinton not White House is also contributing of, to the mix. And, and that would be more in the line of the reruns we see this time of year, yes. that Those episodes, you're like, I thought that episode sucked when it first ran. Why are they running it again? They couldn't find better reruns than that. That's pretty much every Hillary appearance. I will say, we, we have talked about how better than Hillary is not only not a standard, it's a terrible standard, it's a dangerous standard, all still true. But... But it is a standard. <laughs> well, it's... Look at how hard we've lamented on this show. Uh, how... Uh, how conserv- conservatism hasn't won. It may not even have a place in this party. Progressivism, by and large, in many ways, as a default setting, has won, certainly in the institution, education, Hollywood, etc., uh, etc., et uh, the legal system. There's something about Hillary, though, that it's worth when she comes out and says what she says and did what she did again in front of a foreign audience. We, we must talk about it because we, we have a hard time gaining purchase on the notion of how dangerous progressivism is. But somehow it codifies itself inside her and people look at her and they're like, yeah, that, that's, that's bad. She is the incarnation of progressivism that manages to convey just how god-awful it is. And we don't have a lot of success in conveying that awfulness. So, uh, Hillary, once again, tip of the hat to you, gal. You did it again. Did you find it ironic? Because we get into this on the television show. And, and I noticed this because I saw the quotes, but when I saw the actual clip, I'm like, irony she goes to India and decides that's when she's going to ditch Benny Hinn's wardrobe. Have you guys noticed that? That is weird. I did not. Really? What was she wearing? Just don't. normal, you know, just normal uh, chick stuff, you know. But this, but this obsession she had with Benny Hinn's wardrobe the entire 2016 campaign. Mm-hmm. She goes to India and decides if there was ever a time to pander with Benny Hinn's wardrobe to that, that would be the audience for it, right? Well, speaking of pandering, I, I love how she's arguing about how uh, uh, women were kept under the thumb of you know men of every stripe. She actually their sons, everybody. When she's actively talking to a uh, a population of people that still has an active caste system, yep. that the irony of that, yep. indeed. Not to mention um, America's first feminist presidential candidate is essentially um, confirming the stereotypes of the heteronormative patriarchy yeah, that women are that. a bunch of weaklings who can't think for themselves yeah. and are perpetually under the, therefore, think- deserve to be under the thumb of their smarter, more domineering male counterparts. Yeah, for being a feminist, she sure doesn't have much uh, faith or confidence in uh, the power of a woman in the United States. Indeed. Indeed. We get into all of that today on the television show. If you're not yet a subscriber to CRTV, promo code DACE will get you a discounted subscription, not just to our show, but all of the shows here on CRTV, beginning with the great one, Mark Levin, including Michelle Malkin, Stephen Crowder, Phil Robertson, all the way down to other programming at the bottom of the totem pole, which would be us. CRTV.com, promo code DACE. And if you've not yet done so, if you're on Stitcher, iTunes, listening to us today, if you haven't clicked on that subscribe button, it takes 10 seconds, and if enough of you do that, that helps us to grow our podcast. And if you have a few minutes left uh, today where you can even leave us a positive review, if you like us, if you don't, don't lie, but if you like us, uh, if you could take a few minutes to leave us a positive review, that we would appreciate that as well. That also helps us to grow our podcast, and we want to thank all of you that have already done both of those things. Well, gentlemen, let's get to it. It is a Pop Culture Tuesday here on the podcast, and I wanted us to discuss 
dueling forms of agate prop. Now, one of our uh, one of our listeners slash viewers on our Facebook wall last week asked me what this term meant, and it's a good question. I, sh- I should clarify it. Uh, agate prop is a form of propaganda. It is this particular form of propaganda is 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 typically utilized by Marxists. It comes right out of the term even comes right out of Marxism. But it, it's typically a term of Marxist used by Marxists to indicate taking a pre-described or acknowledged symbol, legend, myth, belief, creed, truth, and corrupting it in order to bend it to your new truth, or as Orwell would call it, new speak. You guys okay with that definition? Yeah. Well, in order to bend it, in order to bend people. Yes. Yes, to accept the new speak. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So... There are two pieces of agate prop, one from the right and one from the left, that are battling each other at the box office right now. Now, I've seen one. I've not seen the other because they came right out and told us it was agate prop. Now, we had this conversation last week yes. about when and where to draw the line with Hollywood because they, Jimmy Kimmel admitted to the Oscars, we can't make any money unless we make the sort of stuff you conservative Christians like Mike Pence will actually go to the movies to watch. That's what he literally said. And so we have to make all these movies that you guys like Mike Pence want to go see so we can make the movies we want to make that piss Mike Pence off. And I pointed out why you understand the amount of power, leverage as a consumer he just handed you with that statement. Don't be offended at it. It's rare to get your enemy to say to you, um, I can't quit you. It's rare to hear your enemy say that. This is a this is thou has a that thou has prepared a place for me at the table before my enemies kind of a statement is what Jimmy Kimmel gave. But Todd, you challenged me on one level on that to say or you said, hey, at some point we have to we have to say no, right? And draw a line, right? Mm-hmm. And the line that I said for me is when you intentionally agate prop my worldview, when you intentionally take something that comes from my worldview and go out of your way to sully it, to agate prop it, to corrupt it. What? Is that Correct. That's the very conversation we had last week. It's exactly. No, no, I don't know if you asked me that, knowing how much our family loves A Wrinkle in Time and then that movie was about to come out. Maybe if you had read some things that maybe they were going down this road or if you were just generally curious about where, where do we say no? Because there is a time and a place to say no. Now, you may have a different place to say no, and I'm okay with that. I'm not, I'm not advocating you say no when I say no or say no at all or you know, say no right from the outset. I'm just giving you my own analysis how, how I approach this, and you may have your own opinion where that's concerned. But at some place, we have to be willing to say no. And for me, the no is when you're peeing on me and telling me it's raining, Right. It, well, mostly in my mind, I had read reviews of Wrinkle in Time. I did not know your affinity for it, but I had also read within that week, and we talked about it off air. I think uh, the the fact that there is again a heavy push to a make Elsa a frozen gay in mm-hmm. the second movie, and b to make Finn and Poe gay in the final Star Wars movie, and those were on my mind when I, I and, asked and those, the question. Those would be out points to me. Now, now, now you're rubbing my nose in something. All right. Now, I'm not offended when leftists produce a movie about a code breaker in World War II who had a secret life as a homosexual 
I'm not offended by it. I'm not necessarily going to view it, but it doesn't offend me. Is this the guy's actual life? Is this his actual story? Did he make a positive contribution to humankind? Are the answers to all those questions in this case yes? Yeah. So that's, there's a difference between producing something that doesn't line up with my worldview if it's an honest representation Correct. to something that goes out of its way Correct. to offend, distort, and bend my worldview to your means. That's exactly right. Total different thing. One is just, I'm glad the guy, um, I'm glad the guy saved a lot of lives by breaking the code, but it's not going to change, his story is not going to get, I'm not changing God's word based on his story, but I thank God for his contribution. See what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Okay. The other is what you're describing with Elsa or with Poe and Finn. Now you're dropping deuces on my face. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and the answer to that is uh, no. And even when it's non-historical, if they want to make that stupid movie about a mute woman who has sex with a fish and give it the Oscar, and it's basically like a mm-hmm. private Tupperware party because their ratings plummeted. If you really want to do that... That's your I'll, money. I'm not offended. I'm not, right. not going to pay for that right, crap. Right, exactly. But I don't feel like that's some kind of affront to my belief system. Right. And Because I can just say no to that. Yes. But when you are corrupting... even I would even go so far to say if you wanted to make the initial movie where Elsa's a lesbian, I just wouldn't watch it from the beginning. But again, as long as we're all being honest here what our ultimate aims and goals are... You can like have they you, weren't with but, Beauty and the Beast. Yes, I'm okay with that. Now, if you're gonna, but if you're gonna, if you're gonna get me to take my daughters to see that movie 17 times, right. and hear that hear that music every day for three years, and then you're gonna come back to me four years later and you're gonna tell me, oh, by the way, uh, she's a lesbian. Uh, hell to the no, not doing that. That's again the difference. And just in case any of you are thinking, well, aren't you guys overthinking this? If you don't think. Within the halls of Disney and elsewhere, they're having a conversation. Uh, when do we drop the bomb? Is it now? Is it then? You're, you're, you're fools. They are having these conversations about when they go for it big time. And A Wrinkle in Time is one of these moments. Correct. And they're admitting it to us. Yes. Now, A Wrinkle in Time was written by a devout Episcopalian woman back when there actually were Episcopalians. That who were devout. That were devout. <laughs> All right, another show. It, it is a it's one of the best-selling children's fiction books of the modern era. It is a tremendous story. We started family movie night as a tradition in our household and in 2011 when Noah was 4, Zoe was 5, and Anna was 10. And so we figured all the kids now were able to pay attention and and enjoy it at, at those ages. We've kept a running log Going all the way back to that first weekend in 2011, because we like to go back every, in, hey, when did we watch this? And, have, and remember those times. We've kept a running log as a family. First two movies we ever watched, because the way it works is it ro- the, the choice rotates. All right? And dad, it rotates by age. I'm oldest. I go first. Mom's next. Anna's third. And so it rotates. And you, you pick, and we have a five person family. So every five weeks, you pick a different movie. I went first. I picked Tron. The new one. Wow. Because I never got to go see it in the theater. Okay. The next movie we picked was my wife's pick. And it was the television version that ABC produced in the 90s that Alfre Woodard is in. In the Oprah Winfrey movie, or Oprah Winfrey role now. Alfre Woodard's in that role. My wife picked the television movie production from the 90s of A Wrinkle in Time. Our kids have read it. We love this story. Is the show good? I've never seen it. It's okay. 
It's, I mean, it, I mean, it, it by to, from for a 1990s mm-hmm. telemovie, yeah. By today's standards, you're kind of like, but it's eh. not heretical. It's, oh, not at all. It's legit. No, no mm-hmm. movie. You see all the Christian allegorical themes in there. In this film, the director of the film is openly saying. I posted this article on our Facebook wall. She's quoted as saying this. So this isn't some James Dobson thinks the pink Teletubby is gay propaganda kind of where we just where we feed their agate prop for them. But where we where we behave as the straw men they're trying to make us out to be with paranoia garbage like that. Right. Okay. The director of the film is literally saying she's saying. I believe we've evolved past the author's original Christian. Is that she? Those are the she quotes. Yes, we've evolved past that. The irony of them saying that out loud while they're making the movie, right? Uh, uh, that was inspired by the very things that we moved past. It just it just goes to show how preposterous progressive this is. This is this is what's called reconstructionism, and this is what they do in colleges where they hand you even a book written by a liberal like Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger. And instead of, well, that's if they even let you read it anymore because they won't let, the progressives won't let kids read Catcher in the Rye anymore because it's contrarian, challenging of, of established authority kind of messaging. That's how the worm has yeah. turned on yeah, that. Yeah, they loved it in the 60s. Yeah. They don't want to let the kids read it nowadays. So let's pick another book they might let you read. Um, uh, Bridge to Terabithia. And they hand you that book as a kid. And what they do now is they don't ask you what the book means. They ask you what you think it means. As if you are allowed to impose your meaning upon the author's original intent. Now, why do they do that with, with books like Bridge to Terabithia or The Secret Garden and the other books they have kids read that, that are staples in Americana coming up? Because they're conditioning you. Because when, when, they can, when they condition you to do that, to bridge to Terabithia, the secret garden at all, later on, when your atheist professor in, in the religious studies class, the first day of class, says, by the end of this semester, you won't believe in a God or the Bible. You have already been conditioned, K through 12, that you have the authority to interpret and or accept or reject what an author's intent of his own work was. even if that's not what the author intended at all. You ever wondered, how do you run into liberals who decide that this part of the Bible they'll take, but the other part, they, you ever run into, where, where this, and when, when this is clear, clear, in three seconds, you destroy these arguments. They, they just don't, with, it's because they're not arguments. They're regurgitation of conditioning. They have been preconditioned at a young age that they don't have to accept something's meaning for what it is. But they can impose their own value and their own opinion on its meaning. Let me give you a great example. Tilda Swinton played the White Witch in the original Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe movie production. Liam Neeson voiced Aslan the Lion in all of those uh, movies when they were out. When the first one came out, both Liam Neeson and Tilda Swinton both said, absolutely, this is not Christian allegory. Abs- Liam Neeson absolutely said, Ab- of course I'm not a, a, a Christ-like figure. And this is a story that could be appreciated by all kinds of people of any religion, even Muslims. This isn't, that's an example of what I'm talking about. They, progressivism teaches people they can make something mean what they want it to mean. Because in the end, it's about conditioning people to say, I'm like God. 
I can be like God. I can decide for me what is right and wrong. And that's exactly what the director of this film, A Wrinkle in Time, openly says she did. And she specifically went out of her way to replace in the script Christian imagery with pagan imagery. She says this in the open. Now, I have no problem going and watching a movie of pagan moralism if it has generally redemptive themes, if it, if it has a good moral message. That's Star Wars, guys. Yeah. Star Wars is pagan moralism. It's dualism, the idea of a light and a dark that are co-equal forces, and you as a human being choose. What, that's dualistic Eastern mystical paganism. But it has generic redemptive themes. It has generic morality. I don't have a problem watching it. That's Harry Potter. There's good witches and there's bad witches. If they wanted to just make their own franchise of generic uh, pagan moralism, and if it was made well, my kids and I would have been at the theater this weekend. But that's not what they set out to do, is it? No, what they set out to do was defecate on us. They set out to make the Darren Aronofsky version of Noah of A Wrinkle in Time. That's what they set out to do. Or, or, the, or the film of the Exodus they made a few years ago where Christian Bale plays a paranoid schizophrenic Moses who's not sure if God really talked to him or not and, and God shows up as an eight-year-old boy throwing a tantrum. And then they wonder why these movies fail. When it's funny, if you did the exact same storyline just outside of the specific Judeo-Christian acknowledged tradition with the exact same actors and production values, it'd make all kinds of money. But when you go out of your way to offend people's belief system, to co-opt it for your own, to say, no, we're, we're, we're going to take your stories and bend them to our will. Well, look at what happened at the box office this week. Movie fell uh, already. It wasn't trending well. Disney's projections were for only a $35 million opening. That may sound like a lot of money to us, and it is. But for a major event film, a book that has sold millions of copies for decades. By that Disney? With, by Disney with those kinds of special effects. That's a $100 million budget of CGI and promotion. At least that's what they put into that movie. And when you don't even make a third of it in its opening weekend and it was below your already marked down projections, you can't beat Black Panther in its fourth week at the box office? This movie's going to flop, guys. And the reason it's going to flop is they could have done the exact same story and just made it their own. But, but they didn't make A Wrinkle in Time. They made the movie they wanted to make. And so there's a lot of other people that may not even go to church that love that story and they read that and they're like, well, that's not the, kid, that's not the book I loved when I was a kid. So no, we're not going to watch it. We're not getting it on demand. I already pay for Netflix. If it shows up on Netflix one day and the kids want to watch it, that costs me no other more money out of my, out of my pocket. My kids know what's up. I'll tell them the truth and they know it too. It's funny, my daughter, my oldest teenage daughter who works with, because she works in theater, she works with a lot of people of different personalities, beliefs, sexual behaviors. You know what she can't stand though? Is using those beliefs or sexual behaviors as an excuse to get over on her. She's from a different generation and is, is certainly more at ease with that than her old man is. But if she watches a reality show or something and she senses that the, the, the token gay person on there is using that to their advantage, she's out. Because she's like, hey, don't on one hand tell me I have to accept you for who you are. Okay, I will. 
but then tell me because of who you are, I have to give you something else extra I wouldn't give somebody else. No, I'm not going to do that. And most of America won't do that either. Most of America hates this crap. That's why they have to lie to us, guys. If they were honest to us, honest with us about what they really want, if Dumbledore had been gay all along, how many, how many fewer people would have gone to see it? A lot. That's why it took no courage for J.K. Rowling to say Dumbledore is gay after she made $20 billion. The real courage would have been to put that in the book right from the, or the first movie right from the beginning. Put a gay man running a school with a bunch of young boys. Put that right at the time the Catholic Church abuse scandal was breaking. Right. was right when the first Harry Potter movie came out. Let me Show me your social justice warrior balls. Show me then. Show me, show me what kind of creativity you have. Not when you literally live in your own castle after cashing billions of dollars worth of checks, JK. You'll get no points from me. And that's what they tried to do here with A Wrinkle in Time. And it failed miserably. And it will be a box office failure. Despite the fact it's got two major stars, Oprah Winfrey, the biggest female star in the world right now, and Chris Pine, who's become his own A-list movie Reese star. Reese Witherspoon. Reese Witherspoon's an Academy Award winning actress. It will fail. And it has the Disney, it's one of the greatest selling Christian fiction novels, children's fiction novels of the era. And it's got the Disney name, both of a built-in audience and Disney's seal of approval. And it still will fail. Why will it fail? Because of what I'm saying. People don't like their belief systems being hijacked. It doesn't work. They're okay with you indoctrinating them with your own belief system if you're, if you're doing it from the outset and they, go, they, know, they, know, they know going in, well, I mean, this is about witches and wizards and spells. This isn't the Bible, guys. But when you take what is about the Bible and you defecate on it, like this director did, <clears throat> like Darren Aronofsky did with Noah, like they did with Exodus, people will say no. And they did this to themselves. And then there's another piece of agate prop that's at the box office. When leftists are telling you that the Death Wish remake with Bruce Willis is, quote, NRA porn, I'm here to tell you, after having seen it, they're exactly right. That's exactly what it is, guys. This is, and I use this on my Facebook wall and some people lost their minds. I can't believe you're using that. As an explicit, that's what the term really means, okay? It's explicitly NRA propaganda. I mean, there's not even an attempt to hide it a little bit, guys. From the cops can't get there in time to save you. Man Cow Muller. I didn't even know he was even still around. But he's in the film a lot as the local conservative talk show host cheering this guy on. Hey, we've got all these murders. The cops can't help us. It's about time somebody went out there and did something about it. Okay. They even bring in some kind of Black Lives Matters host on Sirius XM who I've never heard of to make it seem like they're providing the other side's perspective to the counter to Man Cow. And one of his panel, because he's like, are you okay with this white guy shooting all these black, black, black people with the assumption that the black people are committing most of the murders? I guess we're racist now too. And there's even a black woman on his panel that's like, I don't know. These are like drug dealers and stuff that are doing bad stuff to our neighborhoods. I'm okay with it. <laughs> this is in the movie, guys. <laughs> this is in the movie. Okay? Also in the movie, his daughter is put into a coma 
her best friend that she's supposed to go to NYU with in the fall. While she's in a coma when they're, during because of the result of the home invasion that spurs him to do this. While he's in a co- she's in a coma, her best friend comes to read or comes to be with her and is reading out of their curriculum for this fall so she doesn't fall behind. Do you know what she's reading? He asks her specifically. They could even just put it in as an Easter egg. He asks her specifically. Willis walks in. What are you reading? Essays on Economics by Milton Friedman. Uh, no, you... Yes! Yeah. Yes! I laughed out loud in the theater, guys. Were there any NRA altar calls in this movie? I laughed out loud when she said Essays on Economics by Milton Friedman. I, I just laughed like, I just. this is great. <laughs> Remember when I saw the purge, the last purge during the 2016 election, and I came back, and my analysis was, this is like if the comment section at Salon made a movie about conservatives, this is the movie they would make. Remember that was my yeah. analysis? This is like, if this was the, if this was the, if, if this was the comment section at um, Gun Owners of America, this is the movie they would make. And I loved every minute of it. When she said, especially because later on in the movie, oh no, the reason why I laughed out loud is because earlier, a few scenes before, we see Bruce Willis's character reading to her while she's in a coma. Do you know what he's reading out loud? The line, The Witch in the Wardrobe by wow. C.S. Lewis. And then like 10 minutes later when he comes to check on her, Again, you know, days and weeks later, and the best friend is there now reading. She's gone from being being read the C.S. Lewis's Christian allegory to essays on economics by Milton Friedman. Guys, I was like, I was like, I was like, only four other people in the theater. I was seriously looking around for somebody to high five when she said that. It was kind of awkward. It's like that scene in uh, the '83 NCAA tournament when uh, the NC State Wolfpack win. When he's and, and Jim Valvano's Valvano's looking for somebody around. to hug, and there's nobody to hug. I was like walking. It's like, there's got to be some. Somebody in here that can high five me, okay? I mean, this movie has every talking point. And at the end, oh, when the cops have no leads and he goes in to talk to the cops and and hit the investigate the Chicago PD cop, homicide investigator that's investigating his, his wife's murder and his daughter's uh, you know, uh, assault from this home invasion, there's this big board of unsolved murders. And Willis says, there's really this many unsolved murders in Chicago. And the cop's like, yeah, but 90% of those we don't really care about because it's thinning of the herd. It's thug on thug, gang crime. Somebody posted something on Facebook. They take each other out. They're actually really doing us a favor, frankly. Wow. Your ca- the case of your cases like what happened to your family, we actually care about because, you know, that, that's, that's a real tragedy. These gangbangers taking each other out, not really much of one. I'm not, this is, this is in the movie, guys. This is... <laughs> Even I was like, at that scene, I'm like, okay, come on, man. Come on. Now, I, even I kind of felt like I was getting leaned on a little bit at that point, you know? And then at the end of the movie, when the cop clearly figures out that he was the one taking these thugs out, okay? And uh, he stages the final showdown so that, um, you know, he has a plausible excuse Oh, and he goes to buy an illegal... He go, What happens is he watches this real, essentially a, a blonde, basically Katie Pavlich. I hope Katie's not offended when I acknowledge she is a very attractive woman. I think we all agree on that? Sure. Okay. Basically, there's a Katie Pavlich lookalike that is 
uh, that is that is advertising self defense gun you know you know protect yourself commercial on TV and that's he, he decides when he watches her commercial that that's what he's, he's going to go check out her gun store and she brings out this huge log of all this red tape he's got to go through to get a gun to defend himself and it'll take several days and everything else he's like you know what I'll just get back to you and they bring in a a, a gangbanger he's a he's a doctor at the Chicago hospital and they bring in a gangbanger and the gangbanger who's been shot through the chest and he's trying to save him and and he notices the gang they brought him in so fast they didn't take the gun out of his hand and the guys the, the gangbanger sitting in the hospital room with the gun and as he's giving him the anesthesia to open him up try and save his life the gun falls out of his hand willis's character looks around nobody kicks it under the the hospital bed so no one will see it and he takes this guy's illegal gun as his own gun because he doesn't have t- he doesn't have time to wait for the nine days of red tape of, of Illinois gun laws to defend himself. There's a statement right there, okay? There's this whole film is these statements. The whole film is, the whole freaking film is. And and then finally at the end when he when he knows that the that the guy who is really responsible for what happened to his wife and daughter are gonna, is going to come to his house again, he goes back to that gun show or that gun store for the Katie Pavlich-like character, and sets it all up that he did everything the right way, okay, to give himself plausible deniability. And at the end, when he just guns all these guys down that were responsible for taking out his wife and his daughter in his house, and that same cop comes, you know? And, and one of the running jokes in the movie is the cop's overweight, and his wife's trying to eat, get him to go low-carb, gluten-free, and he hates what he's eating. You know, and his partner keeps teasing him because he wants a donut. He want he he, 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 he but he but he's trying to be good for his wife because she's worried about his health. And at the end of the movie, there's like all these dead bodies of all these gang banging thugs, strewn throughout the house. Okay, and he has just put him down in cold blood, man. And the cop walks up to him. And he's like, "So, you're a novice shooter." And and one of the plot lines is that. Um, when he first goes viral as the hoodie guy, the hero in the hoodie, he doesn't know how to hold a gun right, and the reverb on the on his on this Glock is so bad that it cuts his thumb wide open, and they can see on the on the video that this woman took of him that he's got this cut. Well, you know, a surgeon has to be very careful with that, right? And so he's got this all bandaged up throughout the movie, and at the end of the film, the cop looks down and he sees the scab of where the sore was. So you just you just happen to get that cut. I mean, the, the cop knows it's him, right? And, and he's, the, his, his explanations don't line up. And the cop is just sitting there looking. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then Bruce Willis's character says, so I, are, is everything okay here, officer? The cop pulls up his pants, looks around at all the dead bodies of all these gang-banging thugs. And he's like, yeah, I think we're good here. Appreciate your time. Thank you very much. <laughs> Starts to walk out. <laughs> his partner was like that's it he goes no you're right he pulls a Columbo he goes there's one more thing and he know, and they had ordered a pizza for dinner that night he goes over grabs a slice walks, takes a bite goes now I think we're done here and they both laugh and they walk out as they're wheeling these bodies of trucks out the house <laughs> they close with a pizza party <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then there's like the Marvel after credit scene that fast forwards several months where the daughter goes back to, is able to go to school at NYU 
and he he sends her she's off. She's giving a treatise on God and man at Yale. <laughs> he sends her off, and as he's walking out, he's in New because this takes all takes place in Chicago, but now he's in New York because the daughter's going to NYU, and he sees a mugging. All right, and this old lady says, "Hey, he took my purse," and everybody's just letting this guy go, and he stops. He goes, "Hey." As loud as he can, and the mugger stops right there in the middle of some busy New York City, you know, uh, you know, uh, interchange, and he holds his fingers at him like a gun, and he goes, "Bang!" And that is the last scene of the movie, right there. Really? Yes, that's how it ends. This movie is absolutely NRA porn. Yes, no doubt about it. Everything the left is saying about it. It's, there's a reason they've been triggered. Every trigger they have. There were even points I would like the whole hey they're killing each other off. I wasn't really comfortable with that. You know, even I was kind of like, eh. but there were some other times I was I was looking for someone to high five. Man, it, it is. It's seriously. It's it's like a bunch of us. This is the this is our version of that last purge movie. It's like a bunch of us got together and we're like, hey. If we were going to make a movie with every stereotype we have, what would we do? And this movie has it. I just love how this is basically the equivalent, and I hope it's reality. Bruce Willis just walks around Hollywood wearing a Come At Me Bro t-shirt. <laughs> it's like, what you going to do? I'm going to make tons of money making these kind of movies. Just try and stop me, punk. I love it. Yes. It is. Did it make more money than uh, Wrinkle in Time? No, it won't make money but it doesn't have nearly the budget it does either it will be profitable because the budget for this film is a shadow of i would guess the biggest expenditure in the budget is his salary would be my guess Mm -hmm. i would i would guess that movie was made for 20 million maybe so when you look at other audiences i mean america you know global audiences in china they like to that's the second biggest movie audience now is china and so I know people are like, well, why is there, why, why are they throwing, like, why is there a Chinese angle to Iron Man and all this stuff? This isn't social justice worrying. This is marketing. They, they, they're trying to get into the second biggest movie market in the, in, in the world right now, which is China. If there's one thing we know foreign markets like, they like to watch the Old West and Americans blow, mm-hmm. shooting each other in the streets. I think this movie will discover quite an audience on the global market, actually. I think this movie will make money. The director, Eli Roth, by the way, is known for uh, producing what Mike Woody and I used to call, our old movie reviewer, before he retired, Mike Woody and I used to call this Gorn. Pornographic gore. He's the guy behind like the Hostel movies. Mm. Okay? he He's the director of this movie. And it is, as, as the, the Saw movies... Well, he did a couple of them, but actually the first Saw movie was done by the guy who did The Conjuring, James Wan, and he's doing Aquaman right now. Uh, but he, he, this film, just as, just as he's known for making torture, porno, tor- torture horror porn, this is NRA porn. This is the, uh, and people have asked me, what's it like, you know, the whole... Um, Charles Bronson, when those films first came out in the 70s, I was a little kid, man. My parents were going to let me watch that stuff. So I have no idea how it lines up with how blatant those movies were back in the day. And didn't they make like five of them or something? Because there were... I don't know. It was I'm a franchise. I remember there were several. But this film, it is, guys, it is... It's like the motor... It's like if the Motor City Madman... Uh, 
who am I thinking of? The rock star, Ted. Uh, Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent. Yeah, it's like if Ted Nugent. It's like Ted Nugent wrote this script, guys. <laughs> All we needed was the, uh, is the is the song. We just needed Cat Scratch Fever when he that final scene when he looks at the mugger in the street and goes bang. We just needed Cat Scratch Fever to go right then and there, and I totally would have believed Ted Nugent put up the money for this film, wrote the script. It's right out of their playbook, and I love ninety percent of it. So if, if I can see why any liberal that spent 15 minutes in this film is losing their poo over this, all right? Because this is the heavy-handed, ham-fisted agate prop technique they usually do to us. We don't typically do that to them. This movie does that. And you, and you can see that it, it comes from a guy who, who has made all kinds of money doing, in Eli Roth, directing the kinds of, you know, sadistic you know filth hollywood tends to love and he just applies all those exact same agate prop techniques to the gun issue and every box every box is checked in the movie final thoughts aaron i'll start with you you've been quiet for a while yeah i mean my girlfriend and i were going to go out to see wrinkle in time uh this weekend but i'm sorry dude that combined with (laughs) i didn't know that Oh Sorry. no! Okay. No, no. Last weekend, I meant last oh, weekend. Okay. This this last weekend, uh, no. And and combined with the fact that it was spring forward and we were kind of tired and the reviews, uh, the we just didn't do it. So it sounds like uh, we probably made the right decision. Um, but I I had not actually heard of uh, the movie you just discussed, the NRA porn uh, stuff. So, um. <sighs> agate prop is agate prop it's it's all propaganda um so it whether it's from the left or from the right don't take it don't take it with any more seriousness than it deserves which is not very much i i should also add and you just you triggered this in me to say this based on what you just said the left is responsible for my cinematic choices last week I had no intention of seeing Death Wish. None. It, did, it had no interest to me on any level. When I saw how they were losing it, and I thought, it can't be. I, I went and saw this as an intellectual curiosity. I was like, it can't be what they're claiming. And I, I went in there fully expecting to come out going all Tommy Lair and Snowflake on these people. Now, I, I can see why they snowflake this one. This, this, I, they're right. Every now and then, they're right about something. They're right about this one. And, and they convinced me not to go see Wrinkle in Time by being up. I appreciate their honesty. I, I will give them credit for that. All right. That they didn't, because you take a family of five, even with that movie pass, which if you, movie pass, I highly recommend, by the way. It's, it's basically Netflix for the theater. You pay 10 bucks a month for one ca- credit card and you go to any movie, as many movies a month you want, provided you don't go see more than one a day. And, it, and 3D movies are exempted, but I don't, I don't really care for 3D movies anyway, so I'm fine with that, you know? But even with Amy and I having movie pass cards, take a family of five now, and all three kids are above the child age now for, you know, reduced tickets. You get popcorn and everything. That's a, that can be a $60, $70 expenditure. So I'm, I am thankful that they saved me that expenditure this weekend by openly telling me we did this to piss people like you off. I appreciate it. You saved me that money. So they made both my cinematic choices this week. I went and saw Death Wish on my own because I could not believe it was as bad as they thought, and it's every bit as bad as they said. And I didn't. I saved a lot of money on Wrinkle in Time because they told me up front, "Hey, we're we're trying to we're trying to annoy you," and it worked. 
Hey, John McCain lives. Yippee Kaye, Mother Scratcher. Nice. All right, that'll do it for today's podcast. Don't forget, we love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Don't forget the CRTV show. Promo code Dace if you're not yet a subscriber to CRTV. Tomorrow is buy, sell, or hold. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.